from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. After an incredible weekend in Indianapolis, you could say that several draft prospects watched their stock just rise. But nobody's stocks had a better day than Derek Carr, who signed today with the New Orleans Saints on what has been a big day across the NFL landscape after a big weekend across the sports landscape. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. You know what we'd like to do on Monday. We'd like to give you some of the good, some of the bad. We do it with three up, three down. Brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. Let's have a little fun. From the top stories in sports. Guys, huge news over here. To the bottom. This is it. Rock bottom. This is three up, three down with Fitz and Harry. Number one. All right, Harry, I get to do the ups. And the number one up was the man with the number one ups of all the quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson. We've talked about him all day, all week, all month. So many conversations. You've said repeatedly that he has the highest ceiling, maybe the most talent of any of these quarterbacks. All he did at the combine was go out and set every record you could possibly imagine, whether it was from his uh, jumps, whether it's from his running, whether it's from the, the way he threw the football. Everybody was enamored. In fact, I could make the argument all of the young quarterbacks went out and showed out in Indy. But if there was any question about Anthony Richardson and how high he would go, the answer to me is very simple at this. However high you think he's going to go, most people listening, I'm here to tell you the answer is he will go higher. There, every one of these quarterbacks has a team somewhere that's in love with them. I said to you last week, I think quarterbacks had a chance to go one through four after the weekend. I believe that even more. And I think Anthony Richardson, whether I agree with it or not, has a very real shot at being a top one or two pick overall in this draft. I really like your number one. So my number one as a down, I'm going to go with John Morant. And the fact that he has to miss at least two games after flashing a gun in whatever establishment that he was in, like a club or whatnot. But I just want to tell him, whatever he's going through, um, I'm glad that he's going to get the proper help. And I want a lot of people to also understand that they've never been in the situation that John Moran is in, right? He's young, has a ton of money, um, but he also needs to understand that the path that he's going down is not going to be a good one. And he does have time to change things for the better. But the down is because now the Memphis Grizzlies have to suffer. But I think for John Morant, you want to get this fixed because you don't want anything within your life that has to suffer. So, John Morant, I'm rooting for you, and I hope you get this fixed, and I'm looking forward to seeing bright things in the future. Yeah, I think you well well said by you, Harry, and let's make it clear. We're all rooting for Ja, and we're all rooting for Memphis to get this figured out, but 100%. All right, let's, uh, can, let's bring things back up with the next one. Number two. You saw it in person. Yes. Return of the Beer Snake. Oh! Maybe the best thing in the XFL, the Beer Snake. I yes! Mean, if you haven't seen it, it is a delight. Uh, it stretches farther than the imagination could ever figure out. And uh, everybody's drinking beer along the way. And it's, it's great because everybody's helping everybody get all the beer they need. And uh, also, and very important on this, I was watching that game. That crowd 
was awesome. I don't know what it was like. You were there in person, Harry, but I don't know what it was like in person. But on TV, just hearing them chant AJ sucks was hysterical at AJ McCarron. <laughs> and then AJ, we caught mic'd up on the broadcast, actually said, are they going to get an unsportsmanlike conduct? Obviously teasing the, the, the crowd back. But the level of fire and energy from that DC crowd, like that is a, a new line in the sand for every XFL fan base. I think DC is putting on an engaging, fun experience. And the fact that they had people in the stands with signs that said, don't take our snake. The beer snake is here to stay. It's part of the experience there. It is the best venue in the XFL. I had week one there. I just completed week three there. It was packed out. The fans are engaging, and they're, they love their D.C. defenders. And the beer snake, man, it was so long, they tried to make a sister snake beside it because the beer snake was so long. So that's how invested these fans are, and I'm really looking forward to more games there. I got two more games there. Uh, uh, in D.C. with that crowd. but need to my, change, They need to change the name of the team to the Snakes at this point. Go ahead. You're so crazy. <laughs> but my, my number two down is going to be the Jets in the quarterback situation. They're, they are in a position right now with Derek Carr signing with the New Orleans Saints that they have to hit on Aaron Rodgers because I do not know what their backup plan is. I do not know what their plan C is going to be because their plan B just went out the door. Now, there's still an opportunity you can get uh, Aaron Rodgers, but – there, there are far more hurdles that they have to climb and get over to actually do so. So that's why they're my number two for down. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And we've been talking about, about it all day. Like, I think the Jets, when this is all said and done, are going to be left standing at the altar without any of the quarterbacks that they wanted, which is worst case scenario. Sorry, Greeny. Uh, that It just feels like that's the inevitability. I'll bring this back up, though. Part of the reason that's the inevitability has to do with my next one. Number three. Number three for me, quarterback contracts. I love it when guys get paid. And frankly, I don't really care if your favorite team has an issue paying con- the, these quarterbacks. When you start talking about the amount of money that is about to go out over the course of the next day or so, it is absolutely wild. There are reports right now, and we're still trying to get the final numbers ourselves, but there are reports out there that uh, the Derek Carr agreement is a four-year deal for $150 million with $100 million in total guarantees and $70 million fully guaranteed. So you're talking about $37.5 million over the next four years uh, with $70 guaranteed fully, $100 million guaranteed overall for, for Carr. That's some of the reports that are out there. If that's the line in the sand for Carr, man, if you're Daniel Jones, you're looking around, you're like, mm-hmm. If you're Lamar Jackson, you look around, you're like, mm-hmm. Because... The more these guys that get paid, the more it is going to continually, continually raise the bar on what all of these guys get paid. Good for them on getting that money. Quarterback contracts definitely on the way up, uppity up, up, and up. Yes, so my number three down is the St. Louis Battlehawks offense and the four turnovers that they had. Now, they came into this ball game not turning the football over. A.J. McCarron was a big part of that. But I had a chance to interview the cornerback of the D.C. Defenders defense right before the game, and this is what he said. I have cornerback Michael Joseph. The last time you were here at Audi Field, you showed up and showed out two interceptions, returning one for a touchdown. Your opponent today on offense, they have not turned the football over. How do you guys change that narrative? We're just going to get after the quarterback, set the tone early, start fast. That's what we've been saying all week. We're going to start fast, get the ball out of his hands, and he's going to make a mistake, and we're going to take it from him. Thank you for your time. Mm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Joseph had a pick six, another one. And not only did they turn the St. Louis Battlehawks over four times, 
AJ McCarron was a part of three of those turnovers. So what Michael Joseph said was 100% true. So that's why the down, my third one this week, is AJ McCarron in the St. Louis Battle Hawks offense. And well, look, I mean, I love manifesting, right? Like, it feels like, I mean, I don't personally manifest, but the concept of manifest, like, put it out into the universe and it shall happen. That's great. I've been putting out the Raiders winning a Super Bowl into the universe for roughly 35 years. Hasn't happened yet, but. Uh, we played that in the XFL today. Great job by you of getting it and then getting right back to him. I don't know how you get me managed to put a microphone in somebody's face when they're still, like, catching their breath from it, but it's so <laughs> cool to see that moment go down for them. So uh, a great job by you on the sidelines. Uh, that's a little three-up, three-down brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. And, again, some of that three-up, three-down uh, out there has to do with the fact that Derek Carr – is uh, now going to be the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. So uh, when you start thinking about what that means for uh, New Orleans, what it means for the Jets, what it means for the Panthers, another team that some people thought might be in the sweepstakes, if you are New Orleans today, you feel like now you have the best quarterback situation in the entire NFL. The question is, if you're Atlanta, what are you doing about that? Because you know Atlanta well. Uh, I don't know yet what they think of Desmond Ritter. Hopefully they really like him. But if Lamar Jackson becomes available, you can't tell me that the Falcons aren't looking at Lamar Jackson saying, well, that would give us a better solution than Derek Carr. He is better than Derek Carr. Let's go out and make sure that we have the best uh, the best quarterback in the division. Yeah, that's the thing about Arthur Smith and also Terry Fontenot, the general manager, and Arthur Smith is the head coach, is that those two guys, they're going to review, review and survey every single thing. Uh, and they will do what's best for their football team. They're not going to tell anyone their moves. They're going to keep it to themselves. But – you can't sit up here and say that Lamar Jackson potentially could be available when the Falcons aren't going to try to get him. They were in the sweepstakes to get Deshaun Watson, um, and that was probably going to be a done deal if it wasn't for the Cleveland Browns giving you know, Deshaun Watson $230 million guaranteed. But I, I can't see a situation where you know the Atlanta Falcons wouldn't consider it, especially with that run game and Arthur Smith and his dynamic mind. Uh, watching Lamar Jackson in that offense with Kyle Pitts and also Drake London to go along uh, with Tyler Algier, all young guys, and they can grow up together. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Well, it is going to be interesting to see how all of this affects the dominoes at the quarterback position. But realistically, the dominoes at the quarterback position may have shifted over the weekend in Indianapolis because history was made from one performance you have to hear about. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. NFL Draft. So you're ready for the draft. Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. Even before we get to the draft, the Jaguars will be a better team than they were at the end of the regular season. A little breaking news from Adam Schefter. The NFL has reinstated Jaguars wide receiver. I still have to say this so people get used to it. Jags wide receiver, Calvin Ridley. So Trevor Lawrence gets another weapon available at his disposal next season. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. It is rare that I say everybody wins. And Harry, this weekend at the quarterback position, 
Everybody won. If you start looking across the board, Bryce Young, five foot ten and an eighth of an inch. I don't think anybody really expected the height to be much more than that. Importantly, two hundred and four pounds. We had Mel Kuyper on with us last week saying that if he registered at 195 pounds, first pick in the draft. Anything less than that, not the first pick in the draft. Well, he hit 195. In fact, came in at 204. And as he came in in 204, he made it very clear that he can maintain a weight of 200 pounds on this system. So I'm looking at Bryce Young. I'm looking at Anthony Richardson, who's 6'4", 244, and ran the 40 and 4'3". Cleared 40 and a half inches in the vertical jump, 10 foot 9 inches in the broad jump. So uh, they were NFL combine records for a quarterback. You're, you're looking across the board. Find me anybody that's not suddenly, if you were already a little bit drooling, like you're already salivating over one of these quarterbacks, you walked out of Indy with a full-on man crush that you don't know how to contain. Yeah, and I would also say to those who had the negative comments about Bryce Young not throwing and choosing to do so, please stop it. His tape speaks for itself. Um, also, I, I love the way the ball was coming out of C.J. Stroud's hand. Yes. He's made a ton of NFL throws this season, and I thought he was the sharpest in those regards. Um, Will Levis also threw some nice balls. Anthony Richardson showed that he can put the ball in places that it needs to be put in. Also, the athleticism jumps off the screen. When I mean jump, jumping like some damn jacks, baby. Now, some of y'all might be too young to understand what jacks are, but that's what we used to play with when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Jumping like some jacks, Anthony Richardson doing backflips and, you know, the vertical, the 40, like you mentioned. But And you said something earlier, Fitz, with the performance that Anthony Richardson had at the combine. And I understand, you know, the tape might not match everything, but – you look at a prospect like that, and I don't think we've ever seen anything like it that r- runs the, you know, the fat, the, as fast as he does, jumps the way he does, and the ball just, you know, he's a natural thrower of the football. I don't think we've ever seen that. So someone, it wouldn't surprise me if someone moved up. Remember I said this uh, uh, a few weeks ago? It wouldn't surprise me if someone jumped up to number one and took him. It wouldn't surprise me at all because that's just where we're at now because most most people now draft off their potential and if you have the right coaches in there to coach him up and get his foot uh, footwork right and you know help him throw with anticipation and that whole nine I think he's going to be solid he definitely has the highest ceiling of all quarterbacks uh Will Levis I think he's a guy that didn't hurt himself at all. So all four of the quarterbacks right now are sitting in a great spot. Only thing they have left now is their pro days. Look, the reason I think everybody's going to move up for these quarterbacks is because, uh, frankly, I mean, Tom McShay thinks that Bryce Young is number one. And um, uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. Uh, thinks that – or uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. had somebody else at number one, has uh, Will Levis at number one uh, on his board. Uh, and and then you've got Lewis with somebody else at his number one. I think C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. Like you go across the board, all of our analysts can't even agree on what number one is. So if if a team is in love with any of these quarterbacks, even if you aren't sure what everybody else is going to do, you can't afford to wait. You're going to have to mortgage what it takes to move up. And and frankly, it's all about looking at a guy to your point that you think can be that guy. Jordan Reed is one of our best when it comes to ESPN uh, draft analysis. And he said this on game day about the comparisons that Anthony Richardson is about to draw. He sells himself a ton. And, you know, just watching Anthony's film throughout the year, if you just look at his stats on the sheet of paper, you're not going to be impressed. Um, 53% completion percentage, not very accurate, but once you dive into the tape, you really start to recognize some of the traits that he does have. He has a very strong arm. We've all seen the athleticism on tape, but now him coming out and running 4 4 
at 244 pounds, a six foot four and a half, that is really, really impressive. Now you're talking about comparisons to guys like Dante Culpepper and then also Cam Newton. So it's been absolutely big for him. And him going out and doing every single thing at the combine while some other guys side out of some stuff, scouts are going to really love that he came up here and competed. It all makes sense, Harry. And and you start thinking about the way he threw the ball. I thought it was great. also thought, to your point, C.J. Stroud threw the ball really well and answered questions. I mean, he was asked about why he doesn't run the football. I thought it was was just a a work of art as he stood at the podium and basically said, look, we spent eight hours working on one play, and I got the best wide receivers in the country. You want me to one, two, take off? No, I'm going to try and find the guys that we worked hours (laughs) on the play with together. I just thought it was such a leadership example. Like, all four of these young men, like, are going to be easy to get excited by for whatever fan base gets them. There are questions about all of them for the doubters, but for the lovers, there are no questions that can't be answered for each of the four of them. And I will say this about Anthony Richardson. You got to look at his surroundings while he was at Florida, right? And I grew up a Florida fan, so I'm accustomed to seeing the wide receiver position and, you know, the skill position players, the tight ends, and those guys being very, very good. I can't say that about Florida this past year. I'll, I'll rewind it back when Kyle Trash was there, when they had Kadarius Toney, Kyle Pitts, Damian Pierce, and all these guys. Just copy and paste and put, you know, Anthony Richardson on that team. How much better would Florida have been? And they were damn good that year. Kyle Pitts last year and, and Kyle Trash being there with those guys delivering the football. So you also have to take into account who is he throwing to as well as Will Levis. Uh, had, had better guys he was throwing to in 2021 versus 2022. So I, I do believe that plays a factor into it as well. It's all context to this conversation. And we all know that part of the context on quarterbacks is also about hand size because you know what they say, huge hands. Huge gloves. And so this is what Matt Miller, ESPN (laughs) NFL draft analyst, said on Daria Mel about Bryce Young's hand size and why it was more important than some of us thought. I'm excited for those numbers. I think that's where we wanted him to be. His camp had been telling us he's going to be around 200 pounds. He's going to be around 200 pounds. Did he play at 200 pounds? No, of course not. But I think the important thing is he showed that he can add bulk to that very lean frame. I I don't Mel, I'm curious how you feel about this. To me, one of the bigger numbers was that hand size. Because oftentimes we get caught up in, Mm -hmm. yeah, but you know, he's 5'10 and an 8. And remember last year how much time we spent talking about Kenny Pickett's hand size or Teddy Bridgewater's hand size, Jared Goff's hand size, uh, you know, even even Joe Burrow's hand size was a big deal. So that had kind of got lost in the shuffle of how much is this guy going to weigh? So to me, 204 pounds, no, he's probably not going to play there, but he proved he can get to that number. But I think the hand size is maybe the most important number there for me. Uh, Harry, you want you want to tell anybody about your hand size? Like, what what what, what do we got there? Like, actually, I think I may have had the smallest hands at the combine. My my hands are my hands are tiny. My wife's hands is, mm-hmm. is almost bigger than mine, literally, and it, it's just something that that's why I always stayed in the rice bucket doing grip work. I do a lot ton of grip work, man, because you know to keep these hands strong because they are so small. But don't yeah. let it fool y'all. I knock your block off. I mean, <laughs> look, uh, I'm just glad to know I'm not the only person in the, on this show that uh, can wear women's gloves because I also well, have your tiny hands, hands are probably bigger than mine. Fits like honestly. Uh, I mean, this this might be one of the more interesting. Next time we're hanging out, we will just post a side by side of our tiny baby hands, and uh, I'm convinced now that we would beat any other show at ESPN Radio at anything involving karaoke, and we might also have the smallest hands of any ESPN Radio show. Oh, That's what we've learned. so my hand size is eight and a quarter. Eight and a quarter. Oh, yes. okay. I've never had my hands my measured. So, okay. That's uh, do hands do hands grow or shrink as you get older? 
Uh, I don't know. Do they? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I figured you would know these things. I mean, you're the one that took a huge growth spurt and suddenly became six one after college. So, well, I mean, I did. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm serious about that. I'm not lying about that. I, my, either my strength coaches used to say it. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how are you like in your late twenties and you're hitting growth spurts? I don't know. You know, it's because uh, he's hey, he's. Man. My I get him. I, I get them on here now. They'll testify to it. I get. I can get them on here. My guy Harry Douglas always growing. All right, March is full of incredible <laughs> moments in college basketball well, teams. You know what they say. I'm a grower. Teams are starting to punch their <laughs> tickets to the big dance. <laughs> Oh, my God. Save us from ourselves. We're going to talk to a, to the coach of a team headed to March Madness for the first time ever. But first, Harry's got to tell you this about Granger, ironically, the ones who get it done. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. KSU Owl Network on the call. Kennesaw State beat Liberty in the Atlantic Sun Tournament yesterday. They're advancing to the NCAA Tournament for the first time in school's history. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Jason Fitz sitting with Harry Douglas. And we're going to do this a lot as we get you ready for March Madness. When there are really cool stories, we want to be the ones to bring them to you. And this is one of those instances. Wolfpack grows by one. As now Kennesaw State head coach Amir Abdurrahim joins us. Uh, appreciate your time, coach. Congratulations. Uh, you just heard the call. Talk, talk me through the emotion you're feeling, knowing the journey and the fact that you all are making your first NCAA tournament. Before I get into that, Fitz and Harry, I really appreciate y'all having me on. Harry, what's up, home team, man? You know, anytime I get to talk to a dude from the city, man, that's always a good thing, man. So you appreciate know you guys coach, having me. You already know. Man, I already know. But, yeah, man, it, uh, you know, listening to that call, man, it was it was special. I, I've heard it maybe once or twice, maybe ten times. <laughs> I'd have rewound <laughs> it. Um, and it's been special, man, uh, because, you know, when four years ago when we took over this program, man, uh, we had a vision in mind for it. And, um, we wanted to be really uh, intentional about who we brought into our environment. And we took we took some kids. We wanted to do it with Georgia kids. When we got the job, I think we had two, ki- two kids from the state on our roster. I think we have somewhere between eight and ten now. And so we wanted to do it with Georgia kids. So when I hear when I hear that call, man, it's just one of those things. It just it, 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 it solidifies and tells us that we did it the right way with the right people, you know, and put the right people in our environment. And, Coach, the road to get to where you and your team are now has been a journey. You actually started coaching back in 2006. And when you think about that journey to the present time and the present moment, what comes to mind for you? This is a true story, Uh, Harry. I didn't even want to coach when I I initially got into coaching. Um, I I went to work at Murray State for my, uh, my college coach, Billy Kennedy. 
And all I wanted to do at the time was get my master's degree. I just wanted to get my MBA. <laughs> That's all I wanted to do. And um, But as I got up there, I actually lived with two of the players uh, my first year as a GA. And just sitting around talking to them guys, spending time with them in the gym, you know, all of the players. Man, what I started to see was were, were a group of guys. They had this goal, right? They wanted to make it to the NBA. And, and I was fortunate enough, you know, to be around my brother for – for his entire career. And I watched him, you know, make, I can't even remember how much money he made, but man, every summer he came home and, and, and still worked like he was trying to make it. And so these guys had these goals and these ambitions, but their habits at the time didn't match up. And so I just kind of, I, I don't know, man, I felt the calling to, to, you know, be able to walk, help guys walk through that journey, teach them, tell them the truth on certain things. And man, going into that second year as a GA is like, man, I got this bug that, this was what I wanted to do. So it goes from not even wanting to do something, just wanting to get my master's degree to, you know, man, I was able to get that master's degree and also, uh, you know, carve out a pretty nice career, you know, in coaching. It's amazing when you talk about that, Coach, because we spend so much time when we're talking about college basketball, talking about the 10 biggest brands, right, and name, image, likeness, and, you know, one and dones. We have these big NBA conversations all the time, but I just keep thinking about Kennesaw State and an opportunity for you guys. So for you at the level you're at, what's the biggest challenge for a program like yours in the modern college basketball landscape? I think the biggest challenge, you know, these days, uh, I think in general, like, you know, a lot of people – uh, they don't want to hear the truth, right? Uh, and our core values of our program are built on the acronym of truth, trust, responsibility, unity, toughness, and humility. But we talk to our guys all the time about running to the truth, right? Like, man, run to people that will tell you the truth because that's going to help you grow more than anything, uh, more than any how many jump shots you want to shoot. Hearing the truth about yourself um, will will help you grow in ways you couldn't even imagine. And so, I mean, we probably got three or four guys on our roster um, that if they put their name in the portal today, they'd be hotter than fish grease, man. I'm telling you, they have everybody in the country wanting to wanting to recruit them. But um, I think the thing that these guys um, appreciate about our program is that we have real relationships with them, you know. And so, um, when when something does come about, I, like for example, Chris Youngblood, and I'm not gonna say who, what school, right? But Chris Youngblood, our leading scorer. Um, his first two years after the season was over, he walks into my office with his phone and he shows me a direct message from another coach, you know, at another university asking him, Hey man, so you're going to stay at KSU. And he just said, coach, man, I just want you to know, man, I'm here. I don't, I don't want to deal with any of that stuff. I said, see why well, I already know that man, don't worry about it. But that's, those are the type of kids we have in our, in our program guys that, you know, they, they love us because man, we love them and we tell them the truth and, 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 sh- and show them, you know, not just tell them we, can we show them how much we love them? So, man, I, we're fortunate, man, to have the kids we have. We are. And Coach, I think that's important because environment is everything, right? And being Absolutely. able to, you know, let these young men know the truth also helps them identify who they are and who they need to be if they haven't found those things out in this walk of life. It, it's great for sports, but it's also great for everyday life, and that's very, very important to me. But I want to ask you, yep. Coach, uh, for mm-hmm. the people who haven't seen your team play this season – What's your team identity? Man, we hang our hat, and this is good. This is the only coach speak I'll give you guys, man. We hang our hat on that defensive end of the court. 
Um, and the reason why we do that is our, our first, you know, I take that, take that back, our second and third year, we made drastic improvements on the offensive end. That's because we had better players. It wasn't anything I was running or anything like that. We had better players. We spent a ton of time on, on player development in the offseason. And so these guys got better. And as we looked at our team at the end of last year, we said, what are, what's the one area we have to improve on? And, man, we said it was defense. And I think, you know, we were at one point, and I'm not sure it ended up this way, Harry, but I think at one point we were first in, in steals in the A-Sun. Uh, we forced about 15 to 16 turnovers a game. And so you have a group that's really balanced offensively. You know, we got probably five or six guys that could get you 20 on any given night. Um, but we our leading scorer, I think, is at 14 to 15 a game. And I think we probably got five or six guys averaging somewhere between um, seven points and 15 points. And then, so we're really balanced offensively, but I think we really compete and we really get after on that defensive end. And, and, and we got a chip on our shoulder uh, because we play four guards that, that we have to be a little bit tougher and grittier um, if we're going to do the things we want to do. And coach, I wish, I wish you nothing but the best. You know, a lot of times these, these bigger schools, they have trouble with schools like yours because you have one through five that can do a multiplicity of different things. That's one thing the NCAA tournament has taught me over the last 15, 20 years. That's why you see these, you know, people who deem schools as smaller have so much success. Love that you're on today, man. Coach, glad that you was able to carve out the time. Tell your brother I said what's up too, my man. Will do, Harry, man. man. Just know, man, I when I was at the College of Charleston, man, I recruited the Douglas Brothers Elite like it wasn't no, wasn't like it wasn't no tomorrow because they always had dudes, man. People don't remember, man. That's where Grayson Allen first started. First started. People don't remember yep. that, man. I do, though. I, uh, I do. One thing I'm sure of is that both of you in the course of this show today have now said hotter than fish grease. So, I, like, this must be a Georgia <laughs> thing, like, Coach. But I'm we, all in. We from, we from down here, I baby. Mean, we from the dirty south. Hotter no than, doubt. No uh, doubt. Well, hopefully all are shooting hotter than fish grease when you get into this tournament. Thanks for the time, Coach. Best of luck to you guys. Appreciate it. Come back and hang out with us after. Man, thanks for having us, you guys. Thank you. That's great stuff. Uh, Coach Amir Abdul-Rahim, Kennesaw State. We're going to do this because we're always honest with you on this show. That's one thing Harry and I I are never going to lie to you about what we know, what we don't know. We've been covering so many things. We are just just like you. We are just starting to dip our toe into a lot of this college basketball to figure it out. But anytime we can tell the stories of these coaches that are getting first opportunities to be there, man, it feels special for them. It feels special for us. And as somebody that loves college basketball and covers it a lot for us digitally, it's special when you see these opportunities. And it was very, very, very special to have him on Amir because his brother is someone that, you know, me and my brother looked up to uh, being here in Georgia. Like, he, his brother played at a very, very high level, made it to the NBA, and did some phenomenal things as well. I'm just convinced Harry Douglas knows the entire world as part of what makes this show fun. We all know the game isn't over till it's over, so next time your car breaks down, don't call it quits. Head to eBay Motors. they got 122 million parts to take your car into overtime. Get the right parts at the right prices. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. All right. One quarterback became polarizing for saying, let's ride with his new team. But we got another quarterback today that is taking the ride to New Orleans. We'll tell you about it and how it impacts everybody else next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. (laughs) 
breaking news on the quarterback front. Derek Carr signing with the New Orleans Saints. All of a sudden, this team that's 7-10 last year, now they have a quarterback. On paper, it makes a ton of sense. It's an upgrade for the Saints. They got to feel like, you know what? We're the favorite to win the division. Yes, right now the New Orleans Saints are sitting in a great position because, number one, they do have a defense, a defense that has been dominant. Derek Carr has been in the National Football League for nine years and does not have one single playoff victory. Just miss me with that. Every ounce of that, I'm supposed to be professional. That is just, that's just the worst take. It's just terrible. I don't care how many years Derek Carr's been in the NFL and the lack of uh, playoff wins that he has. Tell me you haven't watched the Raiders play every Sunday for the last 10 years without telling me that you haven't watched the Raiders play every Sunday for the last 10 years when you make the comment about Derek Carr's playoff record. And let me be clear, I'm a Raiders fan, not a Derek Carr fan. So whatever Derek Carr fan does now, good for him, fantastic. I don't really care. I'm on to whoever the next quarterback's going to be for Vegas. But if anybody wants to say something about this contract without acknowledging the absolute dumpster fire of an organization that the Raiders have been since the day that they drafted him. All they're doing is telling you they haven't watched any Raiders football games. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Like, I, I get it, Harry. This is what we do. We make everything about, well, what's his record in the playoffs? Okay, the Raiders on the defensive side of the ball are bad and have been bad for over a decade. The Raiders on the defensive side of the ball this year might need 10 new starters. And so you want to sit there and be like, well, Derek Carr never makes the playoff. Maybe we, why do, why do we talk about weapons see, everywhere? See, see, bad, see, bad is an understatement. I think their defense was hot garbage. No, to thank be honest. you. I'm, I'm being serious. I, I'm, I, I know. And it's been that way. Most of most of the, the entire time of Derek Carr, like every once in a while, they'll have a, like the 18th ranked defense or the 20th ranked defense, but they, been in the lower third of the the league every year he's been around and they've stunk like I I understand that Derek Carr has his flaws as a quarterback but I'm not going to accept playoff victories as part of the conversation of his context of work when he's been with an organization that has been absolutely incompetent when it comes to actually building anything around him no I I agree with you and Derek Carr is a guy that you know I had a chance of working out with you know out there in Oakland at the time when the Raiders were still there and just man just his poise and then you look at Last year, not 2022, but 2021, you look at all the dysfunction from his head coach to, you know, his wide receiver, um, Henry Ruggs, to Arnett, the cornerback in his situation, and still being able to be a leader and galvanize guys to push through and have a playoff appearance. But they also ran into Joe Burrow. And we speak so highly of Joe Burrow, so we can't just sit up here and say, well, you know what, he hasn't won a playoff game He's been able to get there twice. Granted, the first time he wasn't able to play, but his play during that season allowed them to get to that point before losing to Houston in their first playoff appearance while Derek Carr was with the Raiders. Yeah, he was having an MVP caliber year, type year, the year that they lost to Houston. And then you're right. He lost a playoff game where he could have played a little better in Cincinnati against Joe Burrow on their way to a Super Bowl. Like, that's just going to happen sometimes. I just – we put too much importance on the playoffs when it comes to specifically just the quarterback position. Like, when have we ever looked at an offensive tackle being signed and said, how could you pay him? He's never won a playoff game. It's the (laughs) stupidest arbitrary. You can't sign that wide receiver. He's never won a playoff game. It is the (laughs) stupidest arbitrary metric we use in all of sports. Shame on anybody that does it. They do it because the quarterback position gets – 
you know, all the attention when things go great, but then they also get all the attention when things go bad. So that that's why people do it. We also do it because most of us that are sitting, and I include myself, most of us sitting in front of a microphone are not smart enough at what is actually happening on an offensive or defensive line to tell you why they're the key or not the key to success. The number of times I sit there and talk to actual great former linemen and my mind's blown by the nuance that we have no understanding of, that's just real for most like we break down quarterbacks largely because quarterbacks are the easiest thing to break down for every single fan so we make it all about the quarterback but uh, look at the coaching dysfunction look at the front office dysfunction look at the Raiders drafting record over the last 10 years and then take a shot every time somebody didn't make it in the league three years you won't make it out of two years worth of drafts I mean it has just Mm. absolutely been an abomination of a franchise and I know better than anybody because I've watched all the games I just uh, that's just Gets under well, my can skin. I say this? Yes, I do can. wish him well. Of course. Um, moving forward, especially in New Orleans. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say I hope his team wins because I grew up a Falcons fan. And mm-hmm. I understand I have a job to do, but I am still a Falcons fan, and I still have a lot of ties to that organization as well. So, Derek Carr, I want you as an individual to do well, but not beat my Falcons. Yeah, see, and, and it's a beautiful world for me. He goes to the NFC, which means I, it won't even be on my mind, right? Like, Derek Carr can go on and do whatever Derek Carr's going to do. Good on him. The only thing I can be worried about as a Raiders fan now is who's going to be their quarterback. And, you know, that becomes more and more interesting. We'll get a new mock draft tomorrow. So we'll see post-combine where McShay and Kuyper and those guys uh, have the quarterbacks falling. Because I still think – I think quarterbacks one through four, Harry. So if you want to get one of them, you are going to have – to move up not want to move up you're going to have to move up that's that's where we are this year in the draft we are quarterback thirsty and there aren't enough quarterbacks to fill all of the needs that there are across the league one thing i know is that we'll continue to break down all the information the franchise tag day is tomorrow we will get you every breaking transaction as it happens in the meantime be sure to hang out for candy and carlin for the latest on espn radio thanks for listening to fitz and harry you've been listening to the fitz and harry podcast You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.